Hi there, just popping in at the top to warn you that this podcast episode includes language that might be inappropriate for young ears, as well as a brief discussion of 9-11. And as always, there will be spoilers. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the mostly comedic podcast where we rate movies on a teardrop scale. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and Southern Californian who has never once gone surfing, Maybell. And I'm Kimia, and like, pretty much the same. Mm. Today we'll discuss inappropriate fish foods, precocious children, and coping with grief through magical thinking. It's Lilo and Stitch, one of my favorite movies, and definitely my favorite from Disney's weird era. Disney, like, I know Disney had, like, a black and white era in the early days of animation, but, like, Disney had more eras. Oh, yeah. Like, like Lilo's Blue Period. (laughs) Not exactly like Lilo's Blue Period, but something like that. Don't get me started. Anyway, I definitely have a favorite for each period of the Disney canon, but we, we don't need to get into that right now. We are introducing the show, and today we'll be wrapping up with Take Me to Your Happy Place. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about how we got to know Lilo and Stitch. I had absolutely seen this movie as a kid, but I didn't form a deep personal connection to it. Maybell, did you have one or more personal feelings about this movie? One, mm, yes, one or more, you could say. You could say, indeed. Um... <laughs> Well, Lilo and Stitch came out in 2002 uh, when we were in like second grade or something. And Mm -hmm. I loved it as a kid. And I probably watched it a few times growing up, but I don't think it really had a profound emotional impact on me until I was in college. And I was a little bit older, closer to Nani's age, and I could understand the real stakes of the movie for these characters Mm -hmm. in a way that I couldn't understand as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think I got back into it as a freshman in college because one of my best friends in my freshman year of college was really into it and talked about it and got me back into it. And ever since then, I probably watch it every like six to 12 months to cry along to. It's been one of my go-to cry movies since I was 18. So, uh, yeah. This is your like five teardrops benchmark right like kind this of is the yeah pretty movie. much although although we have since i since starting this podcast watched things that i've cried much more to but that they, they don't like make me feel as good as this movie like oh, this, yeah this yeah. movie makes now me feel we're... good and cry okay yeah and now we're like specifically seeking out movies that people cry to yes it's a little bit different now yeah yes but yeah well given your love for Lilo and Stitch. I would love to hear the synopsis from you as well. Okay. So Lilo and Stitch is a movie about an unlikely pair of found siblings. Lilo is a young Hawaiian girl who's dealing with loneliness and a childhood where nobody seems to understand her. And her older sister, Nani, is struggling to provide care for her in the wake of their parents' death. Nani tries to adopt a dog to help Lilo with her loneliness, but Stitch, the dog they adopt, is not an animal from our planet whatsoever, but rather an escaped alien that's genetically coded to destroy everything it touches. Still, through Lilo's love, faith, and belief in Ohana, Stitch learns how to build a family and become more than his scientific destiny. I love that last bit. Oh, thank you. Because it's true. It's true and it's beautiful. (laughs) Before we start crying about the beauty, let's take a break. 
Today's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by opening your eyes underwater at the ocean. If you weren't crying before, you sure are now. I'm too scared to do this. I am like, too. I can barely open my eyes in like a saltwater pool. Ooh. In. Like, I don't think I, I, when I was a kid, I learned how to open my eyes in a chlorinated pool and I didn't like that. Ow. And then. That's worse than saltwater. Oh, really? Pool. I had no idea. Yeah. Who knows? And then and then I got older and I wear contacts, so I actually can't oh. open my eyes underwater without being blinded because my contacts will drift away. <laughs> like little fishes. Hmm. Just two glinting scales in the water. <laughs> that you need. That's my ability to see right there. Watch it drift away. <laughs> yep, yep. So... I'm not a particularly practiced, like, underwater eye opener or, like, breath holder. I mean, like like I said in my intro, like, I've never gone surfing. I'm not, I was a particularly aquatic child by any means. Mm. Even, like, I spent plenty of time at the beach and I still don't open my eyes in the ocean because I'm owie. maybe just fearful. Yeah, yeah. it's owie. You it's don't owie need that. In there. <laughs> Let's get back to the show. All right, Kimia. So how did you feel about Lilo and Stitch? What were your thoughts on this rewatch? Um, Lilo is so smart. Mm-hmm. That's not a tearjerker thing, but she's so freaking smart. Oh, yeah. She needs, like, a special tailored to her education program so she can, like, flourish, become president by age 14, you know? I know. Like, Truly, yeah. I want to be Lilo when I grow up, but, like, five-year-old yeah. Lilo. She needs to go work for the Galactic Space Federation. Yes. Whatever it is. Yeah. <sighs> I only have, like, two frowny face notes. Oh. Yeah. So I'll just say mine real quick because okay. I know you have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I have a lot to talk about. The first is when she's laying in bed and she says, I remember everyone that leaves. Wow. Get this child some therapy. She <gasps> needs a counselor. Like, like, and not, like, in an office. She needs to, like, walk outside with a therapist who's gonna like take her hiking oh I actually knew someone who did walk therapy like Ooh. like she she would see her therapist and they would like go on walks and discuss things instead of sit in an office because she didn't like the office setting so that is a thing that exists I love that I want that. Um, and I want that for Lilo I mean when Lilo says like send me a friend that won't ever leave me like yeah um, heartbreaking, awful. And then my how dare my you. other note is when she says Stitch left. We don't need him. <laughs> like, oh god, you're too young. Yeah, all I can usually make it through the opening like ten minutes or so where they're introducing Stitch and the whole like genetic experiment situation. Like, obviously, not a lot of tearjerkers there. Um, mm-hmm. I always tear up. When Lilo says Pudge controls the weather after she's late to Hula and all Mm -hmm. of the adults in the room look at each other. And that's like a relatively subtle detail, especially the first time you watch the movie, because like, obviously you don't know what's going on. Like why this girl thinks that a fish controls the weather and why she thus needs to give it a peanut butter sandwich every day. But like when you understand the context that Lilo was orphaned after her parents got in a car accident during a rainstorm, and that because of that, she's developed this magical thinking where she believes that she can save the people who she loves who are still alive by giving a fish a peanut butter 
sandwich and like it's just one of those like cute little girl weirdo things but like all of the adults who know better like look at each other with this tremendous concern and it's like it's there it's in the adults faces where I start tearing up because like Lilo doesn't think it's weird Lilo thinks this is a perfectly rational thing to do and yeah. it's it's that like knowledge in the adults of her community that like makes me start teary. And then like, as it, as the scene continues and Lilo gets thrown out of her dance class, she says, I just want to dance. I practiced. practiced." Yeah. Like, like she's just appeasing the weather God. I know. And her teacher, her hula teacher is like, Oh, this child is still grieving. This child doesn't understand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When Lilo says that she practiced, like that's when the tears fully like leapt out. Yeah. Her little her little girl voice saying, but I practiced just like, oh, okay. So actually Gage like tapped on the movie to time mark it and he was like, Okay, 13 minutes in. You made it 13 minutes. Now I was like, thanks. <laughs> okay, Gage, step off. How about that? Yeah. Sorry, Gage, I love you. You're great, but step off. (laughs) Anyway. So, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that makes me teary in this movie is, like, is when they show Lilo's, like, dealing with her grief in these very subtle ways. Because her grief is not in the forefront of this movie whatsoever. But when you've watched this movie 50 times, like I have, like, you can't avoid the feeling that you can see in this girl mm-hmm. that she's like struggling to stay afloat in a world that doesn't make sense to her anymore. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to go chronologically? Because um, my next cry moment was not long after that. Um, yeah. Go chronologically. When, when Lilo is bullied by the other girls from her hula class for Ooh. not having the type of doll that they have. And instead she has her own handmade adorable monstrosity. Mm-hmm. And then, and after they all like run away from her, she throws her doll scrump on the ground. Like, like she's mad at scrump and then she runs away. But then like two seconds later, she runs back and picks up her doll and squeezes it to her in just this tender, like, childlike way I just remember as a little kid like being so distraught if I ever abused my stuffed animals I Mm. would I would feel so guilty about it as a kid Mm. so yeah that just like I don't think I really cried at that but like it struck an emotional chord with me you know yeah it's like it it's telling it's a telling moment about Lilo yeah yeah um I had a few other tear up moments, but I think when I really got the cries going was when Nani was singing to Lilo the morning, the night before Lilo was going to get taken away by Child Protective Services um, because Lilo doesn't understand the situation yet. I mean, she I don't even know if she fully understands the situation at all throughout the movie. But on her last night at home, when Nani sang to Lilo, I mean, that's like a huge, that's a huge tear-shirking moment, right? Like, yeah, it's like, so beautiful. And the lyric at the very end, it says, until we meet again. 
Yeah. Like, Nani tries to explain with words and absolutely cannot do that. And then starts uh-huh. singing and, like, the imagery with the flowers where she takes the flower from Lilo's hair and the flower from her own hair and then they blow away in the wind together. Oh. It's fine. Yeah. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, Don't think about it. I mean, it. it's not fine. It's um, fine. It's fine. It's totally not fine. But, um... <laughs> And then when Stitch is, yeah, I mean, this is the one that you said earlier when Stitch is leaving and she and Lilo says, I re- I'll remember you, though. I remember everyone that leaves. I'm just like, oh, I just want to, like, pick her up and hold her and yeah. make everything better. You yeah, know? and fix I it. I just want to, like, make it all better for her. Um. Um. <laughs> And then Stitch takes the Ugly Duckling book that he projected so hard onto mm-hmm. and drags it into the forest and then says, I'm lost, just like in the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that that's the part where Gage started crying, actually, because he was watching it with me um, throughout the whole movie instead of popping in and out like he usually does with a lot of the movies that I watch. Yeah. Yeah, when, when Stitch says... I'm lost. It's like his first full sentence. Yeah. I mean, it's two words. He, he's, he says full sentences in alien languages, but yeah, but it's his first full sentence yeah. in English. And he, he just sounds so sad and alone and little and tiny. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, lost. He is lost. Like physically. And I don't know if spiritually is the right word. Yeah. He's adrift. Existentially. Mm -hmm. he's lost physically and existentially yeah and then like throughout the whole that whole climactic moment i was like welling up as the stakes got stakier and um (laughs) and um i think the next real like cry moment was when lilo gets kidnapped by captain bantu and Oh, also, can I say Captain Bantu has the ideal male form. Like, I fucking wish that I was a 30-foot whale shark man. Like, love it. <laughs> truly, the, truly the character design in this movie, incredible. Anyway. Do you want to be aside. smooth like a hot dog? All over. I'll have to consider that. Think about it. Let me know. Get back to me. So after Nani realizes that Lilo has been kidnapped and is like sent off to space and she's like having this emotional breakdown and Stitch comes over and says the Ohana quote, that just, that's like the full tears coming out, the, the eyes welling up, done welleth over. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then... I mean, I think it's the best part of the movie, but when, when Stitch talks to the Galactic Federation lady and says, this is my family. Yeah. It's little oh my God. and broken, but still good. Yes, mm-hmm. still good. I'm not going to do the Stitch voice right now because it's it's really hard to do when you're crying. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, those are like my big heavy hitter crying moments with this movie. That last one is is really good. And like that is meaningful for Lilo too Mm -hmm. to hear Stitch say that, that her family is little and broken and it's still good. And like she needs, she personally needs that positive reinforcement about herself. 
mm-hmm. and that she's so good. Like she causes so much chaos and like no one understands her and uh, she gets in trouble all the time and she needs to hear that she's still good. I know. Oh gosh. It's heartbreaking to watch the like difficult sibling relationship between Nani and Lilo because when you are like seven or something watching this movie you're like haha like yeah of course they fight like that's her older sister who's taking care of her but when you're like an adult and you're like oh my goodness Nani's only 19 years old and like they, this isn't textual, but uh, because I've read a lot about Lilo and Stitch, I know this. Uh, Nani is supposedly like an athlete who had like the surfing career ahead of her and like things that she was going to go do. And then after her parents died, you know, she had to get a job to take care of Lilo and like the added pressures of being such a young woman trying to take care of a child that is difficult, but is also just like grieving so much while also dealing with your own grief and Mm. lack of like adult understanding of the world because she's only 19. Yeah. (sighs) Good Lord. Oh gosh. But like also a queen, an icon. She's amazing. I love her so much. Like Nani is such a queen. And David, David is my favorite Disney prince. Disney. Like, I know that there's no royalty in this movie, but he is a prince. Yeah, David is excellent. He's, like, so... <laughs> he's, like, so cute. He's, like, yes, I want to date you and sibling your little sister. Like, I... Yeah. Yeah, he's I, ready. I want the whole package. He's I'm, down. He's here for it. Yeah, like, we're going to go surfing, and I'm going to take your little sister, and she's going to surf with me on my surfboard. Oh, I love... I love David, and I love him and Nani and their like non-relationship during the film, but it's heavily implied that like, that they do love each other, but because of everything else going on in Nani's life, she can't like allocate the resources emotionally to be really committed to David. That like emotional maturity really does it for me on both of their ends. I'm just like, wow, you guys are goals. I know that I might be like several years older than you now, but like, wow. He really gets it. Like he really he does, gets it. and yeah. at the end, um, the last shot where it's just like the rolling shot over all of Lilo's photographs. I'm, I was hoping like to see okay because I'm so dumb. I literally just want to see like do they get married, which is like so ridiculous. I roll my eyes at myself, but about that but all I the think time. They do, yeah. But like they get married. This is yeah the child in me who wants, mm-hmm. like, ultimate romance and the child in me believes that a wedding is ultimate romance. That's not true, but you know what I mean? I know, you know what, what I mean. mean. Like, it's not, yeah. that's not what I believe, but there's a part of me that's like, but do they get married? Mm-hmm. I have to know. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I like to think it for them. I usually yeah. don't really care about the the subtextual romances in movies, but this is one that I'm actually somewhat invested in. Because it, like, it's good. It is good. It's, it's good. Golden. They're both gorgeous. They're both incredible people. Like, what's not to love about it? Yeah. They're you well know? suited. It it makes sense. It's not like a subplot for no reason. It's yeah. just good. Oh, yeah. Mwah. Do we want to talk about the deleted scene? We have to talk about the deleted scene. 
Okay. It's not relevant to tear jerking, but no, it's, it's really good. It's important. It is so good. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen the deleted scenes before, I'm just going to summarize. There are basically a few scenes of Lilo totally messing with the tourists that are giving her a hard time. Um, there's actually more in the deleted scenes than there is textually within the finished product of the movie where they show the filmmaker's criticism of the racism that indigenous Hawaiians experience from outsiders on their own land as a result of colonialism and consequentially modern tourism. Um, they show a lot of white people treating Lilo like she's exotic and being like, oh, look, a native, and just some, like, awful things. Um, one guy screeches up to her and yells, hey, speak English? Where's the beach? So she fucks with them as uh, as a way of getting payback. It's beautiful. I really wish that they'd included more of that stuff in, in the actual movie. I, I love it, too, and I love her line at the end of that scene where she says, if you lived here, you would understand. And how, exactly. like, this little baby child who is, like, mm -hmm. five or seven some years old, like, understands what's happening. She, she sees it. She experiences it. It's not, yeah. she's not blind to this at all. Not at all. I think one of the only clear remnants of this, like, scathing criticism in the actual movie is how Lilo takes these pictures of the tourists and in the finished product of the movie, they show that she she pretty much, like, photographs fat tourists. And there's, like, this reversal of, like, first of all, she appreciates their bodies. She thinks that they're beautiful. She doesn't do it because she's, like, ill fat people. Mm -hmm. But also, it is a um, subversion of how tourists, especially white people, will go to a different country and take really invasive photos of local people living their lives and act like they're just parts of the landscape that they're touring. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is the closest thing to the deleted scenes level of criticism that actually made it into the real movie, which is why I kind of love that for Lilo. I'm just like, oh, she's such a genius. She's, <laughs> she is. She's too she's smart. She's galaxy-brained, and she did it two decades ago, you know? <laughs> oh yeah so i love lilo and i really appreciate the deleted footage i really wish that some of it had made it into the final cut of the movie yeah me too yeah it's i wonder if they would do that today like i don't think they would i mean they wouldn't have made this movie today but i don't i think they True. would have sanitized it even more. further probably oh really i don't think so i think that they would have that they would have been able to pass off more of it in you think? today. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I like to think that as far as like Hollywood writing and the trajectory of like good representation slash like criticism of racism goes like we've been on an upward trajectory for the last several decades. Yeah. So I guess I like to imagine that we would not we, but I like to imagine that, it would have included more of that stuff if it were released today. I guess my thought is that like it would be maybe woker, but not mm -hmm. necessarily hitting the mark, you know, like that mm -hmm. it would be surface level more, maybe more like overt tourism is hurtful to me, but not, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, <gasps> after I Moana, 
I, I don't know, especially something set in modern day, maybe if not about tourism, they would have talked about the environmental impact of mm. what's happened in Hawaii in the last 150 years mm-hmm. um, and how like Americans have desecrated their sacred land. I mean, that's all of the United States is desecrated holy yeah. land that was stolen. Um, but... On a lighter note, um, I, I mean, yeah, I think that the I think that a, a modern version of this movie could include a little bit more like wokey ideas that would have permeated through. But I'm also like perfectly happy with the finished product. As yeah, Lilo and Stitch is great. Lilo and Stitch doesn't need. Yeah. And it doesn't like age poorly. Scene. No, it like, doesn't. like there's nothing in it where I'm like, mm, that didn't age well. Like, even at the time, actually, um, Gage also sent me another link that I'll include in the show notes of another, like, deleted segment of the movie. It's not actually a deleted scene. It's an original version of the scene where, in the climax, they take the red alien spaceship and they chase Captain Bontu with Lilo in tow um, to retrieve her. And in the original version of the movie, they actually hijack an airplane to do that. But because of the events of nine, yeah, exactly. Because of the events of nine 11, they were like, maybe that's not a great look. So they did the same scene, but they just overlaid the alien spacecraft over the, the original airplane that was in the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, for understandable reasons, because that scene had already been built before the events of nine 11. Right. And then they were like, Oh, we can't do that now. So absolutely not. You know, even now you couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't think that any American film has um, positively portrayed airplane jacking. <laughs> you could in the last <laughs> twenty years. Well, I mean, nineteen years. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You'd be right about that. <laughs> um, I guess I think I've said all I need to say about Lilo and Stitch. I mean, I could go on forever and ever about every little frame in detail and how I love like the watercolor art that's the landscape mm-hmm. and the soundtrack and how funny it is that this like five-year-old Hawaiian girl was obsessed with Elvis for some reason. Um, you know, all of this stuff. But then I would be talking forever and the podcast would never get edited and then you would never get to hear it. So I'm going to stop now. You can you can do like a a bonus blog post. <laughs> yes, a I'll start a blog just to talk about Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> OK, let's wrap up discussion then. OK, well, wait, but before we do all that, you need to run through the ratings list oh, yes. so that people know what our scale is. OK, one teardrop bone dry. Two teardrops, I could see myself crying, but I didn't. Three teardrops, it got me a little. Four teardrops, I cried. And five teardrops is full sobbing. Okay. So what'd you rate it, Kimia? You go first. I didn't cry. Um, I got a little emotional. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go for two teardrops for Lilo okay. and Stitch. Okay. And this movie's and? excellent. And it for a person who relates personally to this movie, I could see big big cries Mm -hmm. oh yeah what was your rating I mean I feel like this is like a standard five for me before we started this podcast it was like one of my go-to cry movies but I also tend to like feel good cry movies I'm not super into the 
very downer type of cry movies. Even like my closest to live action-ish cry thing that was my go-to is like a musical. So I, I like my cry medias to be slightly removed from reality. Um, but since doing this podcast, since watching a lot more hardcore tear-jerking movies, like after how much I cried for Irreplaceable You, if that's my five benchmark, then this would technically be closer to like a 4.5, but I'm oh, not wow. going to give it a 4.5. I'm still going to give it, I'll give it a 4.9 because I love it so much and it is reliable. Yeah. Every time. Even though last night when I watched the movie, I was kind of feeling a little dry eyed. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to cry this time, you know? Like, maybe I don't have the emotional bandwidth today. No. No, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I cried at the same places I always cry. Like, come on. Yeah, Lilo and Stitch will create the bandwidth for you. <laughs> Thank you. It'll just stretch my emotional resources, really make it all come out. <sighs> well, that's it for ratings. Let's take a break. All right, Kimia, so can you introduce the sponsor today? This episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Screaming Into a Pillow. Have you ever done this, Mabel? Yeah, a couple times. I have done this and I found it deeply unsatisfying. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, I don't know. I just like, it doesn't really do anything for me. I, sometimes I think I'd rather just like, if I want to scream, I'd rather scream like at an overpass or something, you know, somewhere mm. where like, it's okay to be very, very loud. Like, I don't want to feel stifled by the pillow. Yeah. You know? You want your scream to be heard. Yes, exactly. Um, sometimes when I'm in my car and I'm driving and I'm feeling very emotional, I won't scream because it's not good for your voice, but I will do like a really long, really high note. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of the same feelings, but it doesn't hurt your throat and you still get like the vibrating sensation in your brain. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I could try to teach you some techniques to get up there and then you can like scream in a way that doesn't hurt your voice. And it still feels magnificent because you can still feel like the energy radiating out of all of your resonators is what they're called. I have um, zero vocal training. I think that would be a frustration for both of us. It's okay. I mean, like I've taught, I've taught very basic vocal training to people, but I haven't done like a lot of the more advanced techniques that I train with. Mm -hmm. I haven't like taught them. I usually, it, I've my like extent of vocal training for others has mostly been proper breathing techniques and like really foundational stuff. Not like here's how you hit like an, an F, you know, mm -hmm. or yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've never taught someone how to hit the F above the staff. Like that's mm -hmm. really high. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I just say screaming into a pillow is okay. Um, I've tried it a few times. They've sent me some free packets so that we can talk about it in. <laughs> I did it <laughs> I once. Even I didn't like it. I don't necessarily recommend it, but if you like it, go for it. Yeah. We like don't it. have a discount code, but you, you can don't. try it. You should try it. Like, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, might as well. Um, <laughs> the least enthusiastic advertisement ever <laughs> okay let's get back to the show okay let's wrap up today with take me to your happy place maybelle take me to your happy place so today my happy place 
is a wonderful, cozy, rainy day where you don't have to leave your home at all. Mm. Um, I So in the COVID pandemic times, which is what has been happening for the last several months, um, I am not a person who gets to stay at home for work. I work out in the world. I go out of my apartment almost every single day. And it has been kind of hard for me. Um, so when this Sunday, which is one of my days off, it happened to miraculously rain, which it also almost never does in Southern California, as you know. Mm. Um, I just, I relished the opportunity to sleep in and stay at home and just have a pretty lazy day and just like cuddle up with some good media. Oh, I did lie that I did leave my apartment for all of about five minutes to go downstairs and get pho. But that was it. Like, I, I don't think I was even out of my apartment building for more than 60 seconds because mm-hmm. the pho, the pho place is in technically inside of my apartment complex, even though it's across the parking lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, perfect rainy day food is mm-hmm. pho, ramen, udon, like any of them hot noodle dishes. I also had that this weekend. Oh my gosh! <laughs> See, you get it! You get it! Mm, my yeah, happy place is a bowl of pho. Yeah. Uh, it was So, lovely. yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I know some people think of, like, rainy, gloomy weather as, like, a downer, but I've always loved it. Maybe it's because growing up in Southern California, it's such a treat to really get to, like, witness a good rainstorm. So my happy place is a nice, cozy, rainy day. I also enjoyed the rainy weekend. Yeah. Usually I like the sunshine. I don't feel like rain is a treat. It's more like a different thing that happens. <laughs> but, mm. but I also enjoyed the rainy weekend. I spent it also inside. Lots of mm. snuggling. Yeah. Lots of sweetness. I've also been making a lot of Rice Krispie treats lately, like a, like an unreasonable amount of Rice Krispie Ooh. treats, and I feel no signs of stopping. So check your mailbox. <laughs> you can just bring me. Can, can, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to mail them to you. I'll just bring. Them please to don't you. mail me Rice Krispie <laughs> treats when I see you like three times a week. <laughs> um, mm. Rice Krispie treats are my happy place. Oh, that's snuggling. amazing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that could have improved my weekend was if I had a cat, which I don't. Oh, my God. I would love to have a cat. That's going to make me cry. (laughs) Your next your next what made you cry this week is going to be you feeling sad for me because I don't have my own cat. Yeah. Well, we talked about it in the group video chat and every single person had a cat except for you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I want a cat real bad, but I'm sorry. Well, that's all, folks. How do you feel about Lilo and Stitch? Do you make voodoo dolls for your friends and then drown them in pickle juice to punish them for bullying you? Share your techniques with us on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other listeners on our Facebook community group at tearjerkers community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. If you have the time, please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us so we can reach more ears. 
And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode where we'll discuss Ms. Purple with a special guest. Ooh, special guest. Hmm. That's rare. <laughs> and as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell someone you know who loves rounded animation styles about this podcast. Or if you know anybody who goes surfing to avoid their problems, tell them to listen to us. Tell them to reach out to us. Maybe they'll teach us a few surfing tricks or techniques. I'd love to try surfing sometimes, so I'm not like the most un-Southern Californian, Southern Californian ever, but you know, anyway. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Maybelle Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Rajbaran. The wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Thanks for listening and save the mosquitoes. But don't go.